0: hey welcome to the podcast um we are back and i'm excited because today is uh the first part of our fundraising campaign um to r- raise some uh funds to help some ministry endeavors and uh I'm really excited i'm hoping to um get some books published and redo the website and uh, maybe even get me a a plane or at least a really nice car with a real nice leather interior to start traveling the nation I'm just teasing (laughs) I can't go any further with a straight face I've been wanting to do that for a while and I thought (laughs) I thought, oh man, I, I just can't go, I can't go any further than that. No, I'm actually driving down the road in my truck, has always been, and I'm as I'm trying to say that in all seriousness, I have a bucket of antifreeze from my tractor that almost spilled in the cab of my truck. <laughs> so, there's a little bit of practicality versus some fantasy land for you. Goodness. That's foolish. If you ever hear me do that for real, then somebody had better call my phone or better yet drive to Virginia and slap me around a little bit. Okay, so, um, just thinking this morning about a theme, I guess. I haven't gone too far with the train of thought, so this is either going to be one of those where it never even makes it online, um... It goes online, and then I wish I hadn't posted it because I was rambling and didn't really make much sense. Or this will actually become something that's like, hmm, all right, I think think maybe that's something the Lord was saying on a matter. Who knows, right? (laughs) It could go anywhere. (laughs) Um, Which really, in in all seriousness, I kind of enjoy about this. And, you know, I, I checked the stats the other day, and people are listening, so hey... I'm either saying something or, or none of us are making a bit of sense together. And so, <laughs> who knows, right? I'm just thinking this morning about the challenging thought of asking ourselves, when, in light of whether it's doctrinal beliefs, scriptural truths, teachings that Jesus said, commands that he has given us, commands we see in the scriptures about whether it's an Old Testament principle that was either instated forever or was a pattern that was given to us that Jesus came and fulfilled. And again, may we continue to be clear about fulfilled being not eradicated nor done away with but accomplished in its perfection. And I could, I could just pull up a chair and make that a talking point, I believe, every time um, that I open my mouth. And so that's not, however, where I want to land today, but I just love clarifying that point, that the finished work of Jesus that so many want to prop their feet upon, you know, the, the ottoman of the finished work, if you will, Well, Jesus did it all, brother. And we look at each other from across the living room and say, Jesus did it all. Oh, amen, brother. Isn't it sweet to live in the finished work of Jesus? Oh, yeah, burp as we eat potato chips and pizza and watch football and boast in the finished work of the cross. I just feel such a continued challenge and correction that that the body of Christ does not walk in that appropriation of the finished work of Jesus. Okay, so all right, so okay, so this is where how this is how this is so awesome, right? Because as I'm saying that, it makes exact sense in light of what I'm feeling this morning, which is this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make it in the form of a question. So put on your thinking caps, listen to what I'm saying, and take this question, put it into your intellect and into your heart, and just kind of write it on the wall of your heart and on the wall of your thoughts and how, how you carry about your business, your life business, and ask yourself the question, as I am asking myself this morning to be clear, in what ways do we do implement, carry out the absolute least requirement to be found pleasing to God? And I'll word that another way if I can get it out clearly. That that made sense to me. I'll try to repeat it verbatim. In what ways do we carry out our lives and are approaching the gospel and the commands of God by our goal is to be found carrying out the bare minimum requirement of what God has asked? I feel like if I was at home right now and I had my Bible out and I was actually writing that this could become something pretty thorough. And I would draw out a bunch of commands and I would draw out a bunch of instructions and I would look at James and I would look at things in Titus and I would look at Paul's exhortations to the churches. I've been thinking on the letters to the churches in in, um, Revelation. I was reading those the other morning during men's prayer and that's something I need to give myself to is like the things that the churches that John instructed according to the words of the Revelation from the angels is church at First Baptist wherever you're great evangelists. You're great teachers. You're great this. You do this well in the sight of the Lord. But you know what? Your heart has gone cold. Or you know, you're not this, you're not that. And and really I want to compile all of those things that were written to the specific churches that were recorded for us. And I want want to put them all together in one place and put them on the heart of my life. Believing that I was told those specific things for a reason and really ask myself, what about me and those qualities? Are these qualities that I'm lacking? Have I left my first love, like he said, I believe to the church at Ephesus? Have I done that? in any way am i doing that you know what i'm saying asking ourselves these questions from a scriptural context and so i'm thinking though about again i'll pose this question a different way and then i'll i'll begin maybe my talking point of where this originated what what like doctrinal positions and and i'll hone it in on like the attributes of god what's pleasing to God what, does, what God does in response to man do we set our goal at only accomplishing the bare minimum of what is deemed pleasing to God and I hope that makes sense to the hearer as you listen to this as it does within me as I say it and I know it doesn't always transfer well but this doesn't seem that complicated And then I'll tell you my point of where this originated. And perhaps it might begin to have a little more clarity if you're sitting in the chair at the optometrist and they say one or two, one or two, and may one of these things I'm saying land in that place of, oh, yeah, okay, that one's much clearer. I understand. I see. I see what you're asking me. And so what I'm posing, and this is where, again, where it originated... Um, there's a brother that he's a, I don't know him. Um, he writes uh, a lot of teachings that are very um, deep and thought through and from a perspective that is very, very rare in this age we live in, according to Christian teaching. Very educated, not in the sense of like, He's above anyone intellectually as far as, like, by accomplishments, but true accomplishments. Like, he's he has devoted his life to studying the Word and teaching it in a very unique way that I very much like. I don't just enjoy it. It's not just how I like it, although it is, but there's, there's more to it than that. It's the perspective that's like, huh. I read it and I'm like, you know what i I think that might be right. I think that might be the deeper truth, the deeper reality to uncover um, when we look at scriptures and you know man's man's interpretation of them and so you know i've I've read his stuff for years, and uh you know my wife and I both, but she she really picked up on him last summer. And started reading his materials a a good bit. And it's really spoke to her. And uh, has been a blessing to her. And he's always quick to respond to email questions and interaction. And like... Just really engaged. More so than just writing something, posting it online and like... That be it. I mean... There's much more to it than that, which, again, I believe is very favorable. I like that. Um, And recently, the question, I had already posed him this question uh, maybe two years ago, and my wife reiterated the question recently to him, asking him what his present mode, if you will, of fellowship with other believers is. Um, His present understanding, not necessarily understanding per se, but like, what is the demonstration in your life of gathering with fellow believers, with the church? Like, what does that look like for you? Out of curiosity, knowing um, what he believes and and how he speaks and what he shares. and um, Just curious, I guess. And his response was, In paraphrase, I did not read it. I'll I'll say that with clarity. I listened to my wife explain it to me. Was the was the factual um, biblical truth that where two or more are gathered, there God is. That that where two or more people gather in the name of Jesus, God is in the midst of us. He is present. Okay, like, and and even as I say that, we've got to look into these matters deeply because he's present in me, right? I mean, I am now the temple of God when the when the veil was rent and the earth shook, and Jesus made a shift in the age of man, and the temple within reality was commenced then God is in me. Yes, okay, so we already know that. So it's not like we're trying to get God in us or, come on, God, you know, I need another brother. Quick, hurry, because I don't know God and God's not here. So we have to even understand what we're saying. Okay, so where two or more are gathered, all right, we're talking about the assembly. We know the scriptures say, do not forsake the assembly. Of course, churches and religious order and patterns of man in the religious sense have made that something it's not, which is a, a a church sign that guilts people into, hey, don't miss church service. Which of course, if we have a kindergarten level of spiritual wisdom, we know that is not at all what it's saying. It's not saying, hey, don't watch football Sunday instead of go to church, brother. That is, that's is—that's really ridiculous, right, that we have deduced that down. We've reduced it down to mean that, okay? But don't forsake the assembly, the gathering, the ecclesia of believers. Don't forsake that. Don't give up on that. And like, I'm just going to be honest, in the context of my life, the last three years, I get that verse. I get it. Don't give up on it. Don't walk away from it to go unto something else. Assemble. Come together. Come together in a unified way to experience something you cannot and will not experience in your prayer closet. And we have to understand that. Do we know that? Have we experienced that? And as you ask that question, I'm going to set down my recorder because I have to unload trash from my truck. Alright, see, you can't, you can't get this kind of live action anywhere else, can you? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get that kind of real life in the average podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hopefully, I should have told you to go get a cup of coffee or something. Or, or, I don't know, check your email. Whatever the case, you're doing. Um, and so, I guess I'm just asking myself, Okay, in light of that scripture, this is the origin of what I was sharing. Okay, so his response was, and I'm not saying his response was wrong. We're not talking about wrong or right here. We're not talking about, well, that's not true. No, this is an absolute, absolute truth, and this is the origin of my question. I'll repeat that ten times. What is our goal? Well, this is the way that response lands in me today. All right, just presently. And my view of the body has been changing for years, and I get that, and it's going to continue to. So the question is, because the Bible says where two or more are gathered, there he is. There God is in the midst of the two. Okay. Biblical truth. Absolute, sure. We will not question it. We cannot debate it. It's fact. But my question is, based upon this man's response, who is, I believe, as I'll reiterate, a very learned teacher, a very gifted man, and so I'm not trying to pick him apart. This is this is how I do things to, to look at my own life and my own questions about myself. And I pose to whoever's listening. Okay, so because the Bible says where two or more are gathered... And because we're told, we're promised, that God will be in the midst of those two, should that principle be enough for us? Should that be our goal? Well, hey, I'm emailing you. We're talking. I had a phone call with Sister Lisa last week. I talked to Brother Bob over coffee at uh, prayer breakfast, Right? Two or more gathered, amen. Okay, yes, 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 that's true, that's necessary, and that is a very encouraging, if nothing else, a very encouraging fact for us. But my question is should that be enough? Should we simply reside there for the rest of our days? Okay. It seems like a very valid biblical question to me. Because it says, hey, we're two or more gathered, does that mean that our trajectory should be to only find and maintain one other brother or sister to share my life with? Just because that's true, is it the point? to simply establish one other person and that be it? If we believe in the doctrinal principle of multiplication, I mean, what in the world if the first church had had that mindset? When the church was gaining members, when... People were becoming Christ men regenerated in new creations by the thousands. What if they had simply said, Hey, I not I mean, I only need one other person. Let's hey, what about you? What do you do in the rest of your life? Hey, let's just commit to a month. Bible says, two or more are gathered. Our goal is for God to be in our midst, right? What if we need to expand our thinking along this line and many others? Whether it's in regards to leaving sin. I mean, isn't that the issue, y'all? With our generation's low esteem, low expectation of even salvation and the regeneration process, the sanctification process, the regeneration experience and the sanctification process, isn't that the problem? We're always looking for the bare minimum. What is the least I have to do to be found... What? I mean, let's be real honest. Most of the church's endeavor... What's the least I have to do to avoid the judgment of God? What is, Pastor, tell me, what is the least requirement of me to miss hell and to hopefully get to heaven? But for sure, even if I don't get to heaven, that's kind of okay. Just what do I need to do to not go to hell? Well, you you know, you confess Jesus as Lord and you ask him into your heart and you know then I'm I'm pretty sure you're not going to hell. Okay, I will do that. You know, and I mean, let's be honest. That is the primary function and approach of the modern-day church, right? I mean, that's the goal. Don't go to hell. You weren't created for hell. And so again, the bare minimum is the goal. Get out of hell. Maybe get into heaven. And for most, it's just synonymous because it's an it's an A or B question. Brother, if you died today, will you go to heaven or to hell? Uh, I don't know. Well, you can know right now. Right this second, you can know. You can say something that's so easy. And guess what? You'll know. And then we can go to lunch. And it'll be done. Settled bare minimum Now I don't even believe that's true but even if it were that perpetuates the problem is that we are a bare minimum people Look at our lives folks If it were lunchtime and I drove to Wendy's right now I expect that from the time a lady says your total is 857 please pull to the next window I have an expectancy that what I want and what I ordered will be in my hand in probably less than three minutes. I don't want to wait. I don't want to do anything. And when I get it, it better be what I'm asking for. Why? I want the bare minimum requirement of anything from me. Look, I'm paying you. Give me what I want. All right, and see, now may this not trickle out into some region outside of my point, but last night, we're still in the book of Acts in our our family, and I was reading about Simon the sorcerer in Acts, I believe, 5 or 6. Right after Stephen is stoned, Simon, from best we can tell, is converted. You know, he's a magician. He works awesome signs and wonders according to, we would presume, The powers of darkness, Scripture is not like super-duper clear, but in most cases it looks like he moved within the body of believers. But the problem was his mindset didn't change. And as we all know, he thought he wanted to purchase the power of the apostles. He wanted to buy the power of God that was operating in the laying on of hands through the apostles. He wanted to own it by buying it. Of course, he is scolded and corrected, saying, basically, are you kidding me? You can't buy this. Are you that silly and foolish to think you can purchase the apostolic power of God in a man? Okay, can we not say that is an appendage, if you will, off of the same body of thinking that we can just attain or ascertain something by doing nothing? That we can somehow, hey, I mean, I'm just saying speculation. Could it be he, I'm a believer, I'm like y'all. I'm like the body. I'm in it. But you know what? I kind of would like to be an apostle. Can I... Hey, can, can I buy that from you? That ability? And what was the principle that was spoken to us throughout the ages of the Scripture? You cannot buy this. This isn't something to be possessed according to your own desires. This is something bestowed to men... By God Himself, God Himself set men in place and in functions. Right, we know this, and so is that not the same? Where two or more are gathered, all right, let's set our goal on two. There's only two of us now. I'm not saying if you're living in the in the back country of Australia, in the jungle. And like you're an unreached people, and everybody dies off, but you and your brother. And like, you know what I'm saying? Don't make this some ridiculous scenario. Well, what if there's only two of you? What if everybody in the world dies and there's only two left? Are you? I'm not saying some ridiculous idea or scenario. I'm saying that's not the case. And so, do we pursue? Do we actively pursue the more of God in our lives? If you are in fact completely content with the two reality in your life, I would say, is that okay? Is that right? Is that the best goal to shoot for? Well, this is just the way God has it. All right but do we pursue the more i this is where i am today in many matters but i'm not content with that why because of the more reality we talk about the two all the time but what about the more lord give us more lord give us more not give us more to possess but lord let us demonstrate your body to the fullest capacity that you can do through a man. Let's look at it like this. I remember listening to a brother teach, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, no man, 14 years ago. And he was talking about, he's a big football fan and he was, we were talking about the glory of God on the earth, covering the earth. And he used such a perfect metaphor that sticks with me to this day. And I'm going to adapt it a little bit, tweak it a little bit for the point that I'm trying to make this morning. So you go to your favorite sports team's outdoor arena or even indoor. I like basketball. We could use that for that matter, but let's continue with the outdoor theme because it's a little more applicable. And so you take an outdoor NFL stadium or college football team stadium Okay? And you fill it chock full of people. I mean, capacity. 16,000, maybe? 20,000 people? I don't know how many they hold. Maybe that's astronomically high. Let's say only 10. I don't know. I've been to large events, it's massive. Some people have described it, and I would not debate this, as like spiritual. There is something about the numeric power of a unified people. I don't care if you're drinking beer and chewing skull and singing country songs. There's something powerful within the unified gathering of human beings that begs our attention. And if you den- no one can deny that is true. Whether it's a music concert, a sporting event, whatever it may be, That's why Christian gatherings can look just like everything else. Because it does not require the Spirit of God in a man to create an emotion in a crowd. I won't go down that road either. (laughs) Mega-churchers. Which, oh, by the way, was me. Let's not forget these things. And so imagine... A crowd, a stadium filled to capacity, and you go up in a blimp in a helicopter and you look down and you see these people, and let's say they're all wearing the color red like they were in the metaphor I was told, and they're screaming all in unison the fight song of a football team, wearing their colors maxed out to capacity. Now, when you look up from, or you look down from up above upon this. Stadium, what you see is going to be clear. It's going to be a sea of red. It's going to be people moving and singing in unison. It's going to be like, wow. It kind of, from high up, it kind of looks like one thing. It kind of looks like one solid thing. Okay, now let's take all those people out of the stadium, the same stadium, and you take me and you, you put us both in red sweaters, singing the same fight song, waving the same flags, side by side in the, the, wherever you want to place us in that stadium in your imagination, go up in the sky again and look down and tell me what you see. What, how moving is that? Now, I don't want to get, I'm not going to start creating something lesser in light of, hey, God's presence, don't tell me that we don't have God's presence with only two. I'm not saying that. God's presence will send all of us groveling in the dirt on our faces if he reveals a molecule of who he is. Two even yet two, all right? So make that, I want to make that clear. But what I'm saying is, if Hebrews tells us that through the church, the revealing of the manifold wisdom of God that was not released or revealed until the church has been made who she is in order to do so, to declare to all the principalities and powers and heavenly beings, all right, so this is what we're talking about. And so I'm saying, can we not say without any hesitation what, which image of what I just portrayed with that stadium is going to declare to the heavenly places the glory of God in greater measure? <laughs> Me and you, arm in arm, with 20,000 empty seats around us? Or a stadium full of those gathered in unity under the banner of Jesus Christ. I don't see how anyone can argue that point. That seems so clear to me. And so with that metaphor, I'm saying my original point, which is, should our aim not to be continually saying, asking, pleading with the Lord? God, would you please align me with the most grand purposes in your heart. How in the world can we come together in unity and declare your awesome glory in the largest measurement possible, in the largest expression that we can make it? I believe man today, I believe that the church today has exchanged volume and Production, and even numbers. This is where it gets real tricky, right? Even just the largeness of a gathering. We have somehow presumed that that shakes our fist in the enemy's face. Oh yeah, devil, look at how loud our speakers are. That bass is thumping their chest. Look at this, look at us. You know, if we sing these spiritual warfare songs loud enough that somehow the devils cower in fear because of our volume. But what I'm saying is, even let's, let's, let's get out the microscope again. We are not saying gather just for simple quantity of people. I'm not saying, I'm trying to be as clear as I can with this. I am not saying, because I am an absolute opponent of the church signs that say simply, come worship with us. Sunday school, 10. A.M. service, 11. Bible study, 5. P.M. service, 6. Come worship with us. I am, man, I, I loathe that. I don't believe that's right. I don't believe that it's just an open door for anyone and everyone to walk in and enter into the throne, wor- the throne room of God worship in unity together. I don't believe that. That's complex, I know. And it would take a lot of time to explain that. And so I won't today. And so I want to be really clear. I'm not saying, well, just go to the local church because it's magically better if there's 50 as opposed to 2. Okay? But what I'm saying is, are our goals too low? Are our pursuits too limited? Are we, in fact, trying to find and maintain the bare minimum of what we see scripture say is right, good, pleasing I just feel compelled about that. I feel convicted about that this morning. Whether it's prayer I mean we man this could that's what I mean when I started this. If I was at home right now, this would probably take the majority of the day pulling out maybe 5 or 6 Topics, if you will, of how this applies, of what this principle applies to. I don't have that luxury today, and so may I just plant that seed of thought in your imagination this morning. What is our goal? What is it we're aiming for? Are we aiming for the minimum requirement, whether it's to get into heaven, get out of hell, or to gather? with believers what is it we're aiming for may we be a people who don't just stop and, and may we not be like Simon where we think in our own efforts and our own capabilities we can somehow just purchase the more God has a pattern. So may we put those two together. And in closing, may I just say that. May we put those two together. May we pursue the more. May we desire the more. May we not settle for just two. If there is a more, not for ourselves, but to demonstrate the glory of God on the earth in His corporate people. Or, like Simon, may we See the more, know the more, pursue the more. But may we not be like Him and try to get it in our own achievements, efforts, and ideas. Those two have got to go hand in hand. We've got to pursue the more. And we have to pursue the more according to God's ways. According to how He deems it to be proper, right, ordered, and pleasing in His sight. Amen.